You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We're excited to continue our series, Miracles, and today we are looking at everyday miracles. And I'm excited that I have Pastor Jacob with me. We're going to be uh, tag-teaming today. And one thing that most pastors who believe in miracles will never do is guarantee a miracle, right? But I want to show you a miracle right now. you ready? Yeah. All right. Jacob, you ready? I'm ready. I'm giving you this piece of bread in the name of Jesus. Oh, that's anointed bread. That's amazing, isn't it? Are you excited? Well, I'm telling you, that might not seem like a miracle in itself. I think I'll have to explain that a little bit later. Pastor Jacob will help me explain that. But the miracle that we're looking at today, a miracle performed by Jesus, is perhaps the greatest miracle that he ever performed, maybe besides his own resurrection. And the reason I say it's possibly Jesus' greatest miracle is because it is the only miracle. There's only one out of all the miracles Jesus did, only one that is in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that miracle is the feeding of the 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread, loaves, and a couple of small fish. And yet Jesus fed multitudes with that small amount. But if you take it on an individual basis, one person, one disciple, handing to an individual a piece of bread and a little bit of fish, that's not much of a miracle. That's not much more of a miracle than my handing Jacob a slice of bread. It's very small. What makes it huge is that it occurs many times over as we have one individual, a disciple, handing another individual a piece of bread and a little bit of fish. But you multiply that out thousands of times, and you take the fact that you have a little bit of bread and fish, and it is expanded, multiplied many times over, it becomes a great miracle. And I think a lot of the miracles that we see in our everyday life of following Jesus are just like that by themselves. They're just small. And the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 was not even the kind of miracle that met a really great need. Had not been with Jesus very long, just a relatively short time. No one was starving. Uh, you know, I could afford to miss a meal or two. I don't know about you, but I know I certainly could. I don't, Jacob, he probably couldn't. He's so thin. But, you know, a lot of us could miss a meal and it's, you know, not necessarily comfortable to miss a meal, but it's not any great thing. And so it would be easy if you look at it that way, just small miracles and not really meeting a major need, it would be easy then to dismiss the feeding of the 5,000. You know, in the scale of things, maybe not that significant. And Jesus' own disciples probably didn't fully grasp the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. In Matthew's telling of that, a uh, few chapters later, Jesus feeds 4,000 people. And then in the very next chapter, the disciples are discussing, you know, maybe Jesus is upset because we didn't bring any bread along with us. Maybe that's what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus had to say, you know, 
don't you remember how many loaves you picked up, how many leftovers were still there after these miracles? Why are you talking about bread? So even the disciples didn't get it. And I think it's the same for us as Jesus followers, as his disciples today. How many times we miss out on miracles or acknowledging a miracle because it's seemingly small, seemingly insignificant. And I think that today what God's going to do is open our understanding of what we're seeing, of how we're seeing Jesus at work. And also in the passage that I'm about to read, the disciples almost missed out on an opportunity to be a part of a miracle. And I want to make sure today, and Pastor Jacob wants to make sure that we don't miss out on the miracle opportunities that God gives us to be a blessing to someone else. So let's look in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're looking at Luke's version of this story. Luke chapter 9, I should say, starting with verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. That's Jesus performing some great miracles there for those individuals. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. We are called to live in the expectation of the miraculous. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Jesus commissioned us as Christians to lay hands on the sick and heal them. We see this in, throughout the Bible. And, but how do we live that out? Luke 9 gives us some great examples that we can walk away with and see played out in our lives. So as we unpack these passages, we have to take moments of honest reflection and ask ourselves some tough questions. Can we, can we do that today? Because if we want to live in the fullness of the miraculous power and authority that Jesus gives us, we have to live in expectation of it. And to dig into this concept, I, I just want to encourage you today. I want I encourage you to continue to get into the Word of God, to dig deeper into the implications of living in the everyday miraculous, because we're just scratching the surface here today, and I believe Jesus wants to reveal more of himself to us, to you and I. So my first question today that we need to ask ourselves in understanding this is, are you living in expectation of the miraculous? In Luke, we see Jesus and his disciples, they're in a remote area. Uh, they're off, hot off a crazy, successful ministry campaign. They're uh, looking for some R&R, &R, and uh, we'll circle back to that in a moment. But we see the disciples' response here. We see that even though they just came from seeing the miraculous, they were not ready 
for another miracle. And they may have been tired. They may have been hungry. Uh, they might not have even been feeling it. I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you're just kind of going through the motions here. And, but whatever it was that they were, that they could have been going through, they clearly did not expect something supernatural to occur. We know this because in verse 12, they were wrapping up the service and they were sending people home. And where am I going with all this? Well, sometimes I think we get so caught up in the experience of the movement of the Holy Spirit that we begin to think that the miraculous happens only when we're on a short-term missions trip or uh, attending a Christian conference or going to a really good worship service and, and that it has to be something humongous, something grand, something amazing. And those are good expectations to have. Uh, uh, yeah, I expect those things to happen. Absolutely. But I think it's safe to say that that's living in the experience rather than inviting movement of God in our daily lives. You see where I'm going? See, we're human. We get distracted. We get tired. We get hangry. And we get hung up on the idea that God only moves when fill in the blank. And this is why living daily is in an expectation is a discipline. And to be honest, it's also exciting because when you wake up, you can ask God, what are you going to do today? What is something new you're going to do in my life today? And this also calls for us to remind ourselves of the great things God has done in our lives. Like the old hymn, Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. I, I mean, that's why we're having a series like this, right? That's why we're, we're talking about miracles. It's taking times to look at the great things Jesus has done in the past and in the present. And this is a reminder for Jesus' disciples in this passage, and it's a reminder for us. Invite Jesus to shape your day. Live in the expectation of the miraculous, knowing that, big or small, God is going to move, and he'll use you to do it. I had an epiphany the other day as I was reading through this passage. Uh, I, I was thinking, how cool is it? to be a disciple? How cool would it be to be one of those disciples to, to live through this and see all of the things that Jesus's disciples saw? And I'm certain that some of you might have thought that as you were reading your Bibles at some point in your life. Um, but let's collectively take a step back and understand this might be a little bit backwards in thinking because we are Christ's disciples. We are. You are Christ's disciples. And we get to see the things that he does in our lives. Miracles are not just relegated just to the Bible. They are for us now. Live in expectations of them. And moving on, we see Jesus and his disciples, they're going away to this remote area. They're going away to rest, just to get away from it all, away from the crowds, away from the, the distractions, uh, just a time to rest. And, and, and people catch wind of, of what's going on, so they follow along with Jesus. And this is a moment where none of us would fault Jesus if he said, I just can't do it right now. I just need some me time. My mom had nine kids and she would say all the time, just give me a moment of, uh, a moment of peace. She was a saint. Um, uh, and, and we wouldn't fault Jesus for saying the same thing, but he didn't. In verse 11, it shows that he has compassion on them. He welcomed them. And this leads us to our second 
and possibly uncomfortable question of ourselves. When it comes to your ministry with others, to others, is your walk surrounded by your comfort? And don't get me wrong, I, I certainly believe in Sabbath and rest and comfort, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't. There's such a thing as burnout, for sure, but don't ever let that be a crutch that keeps us from seeing Jesus' miraculous power and breakthrough, and especially when it comes to pointing others to Jesus' glory. Don't let your personal comfort become idolatry to keep you from the fullness of God working in your life and in the life of others. And I think now, more than ever, we are seeing a greater need for the church to stand up and be the church, the welcoming arms of Jesus. I believe Jesus is calling us out of our comfort zones to live out the Great Commission like never before. I believe that we're going to lay hands on the sick and see people healed. I believe there's a nation crying out for what only God can provide. And I'm sorry if this offends anyone, but we can't have any more weekend-only, comfort-seeking Christians standing idly by while our brothers and sisters are dying because we're too uncomfortable with sharing the miraculous healing power that comes with a personal relationship with Christ. I'm just... It's... This is the simplicity of it. The gospel is tough. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. We have to reconcile that this is all part of the cost of discipleship. I think far too often the reason we don't see the miraculous in, in and through our lives is because we don't allow it to get past our cookie-cutter concept of who we think Christ should be rather than who he really is. Jesus still works in miracles. And we see this throughout the ministry of his disciples. This is not an overnight change in our, in our lifestyle. It's a constant invitation of the Holy Spirit in our lives, seeking out opportunities to live this out. This is living outside of our own comfort. And we can't do it on our own. If we did, we'd be like uh, how the author Bob Goff said in his book, Everybody Always, our problem with following Jesus isn't, uh, is that we're trying to be a better version of us rather than an accurate reflection of Christ. See, Jesus chose compassion over comfort. We need to reflect that, church. And just like in this story, Jesus calls us into a partnership with him. He doesn't hang us out to dry. Well, how does he do that? Well, he invites us to be part of the story. So we've looked at expectation. We've looked at comfort. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Are you willing to walk in faith and be used by God? And this will be a two-part question because we're going to come back to this. Uh, there's two parts to this. But verse 13, Jesus says, you feed them. I, I love that. I absolutely love and I have to assume the disciples were expecting Jesus to do to this for them because back in 11, Luke uh, tells us that the only person that was preaching and, and healing, it was Jesus up until this point. So maybe the disciples were doing something. I don't know. Maybe they were playing dodgeball with the teenagers or, or something like that. But um, my response, I know me and my response would be like this. Jesus, I, I, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm a youth pastor. I, I don't have tons of cash. I mean, I could buy a little Caesar's pizza, but I don't know how far that could spread out. 
And if you ever been to one of those parties, by the way, where uh, people take those the, the pizza and they cut all the slices in half and you get those really thin slices of pizza and it's like, wow, I just get this little sliver. I think we tend to limit what God can do by what we see or what we think our capacity is instead of letting him use us fully. Yet in Luke, we don't see that. We see an abundance. We see 12 baskets of leftovers because that is who our generous God is. But moreover, we see his disciples responding in faith. Are you willing to take what has been given to you and use it to see Jesus's amazing work? When I was a freshman in college, I decided I was going to start a band with a friend of mine named Caleb. And we decided that we set up the rehearsal. We were going to, we had all the places we needed to go. We were good to go. And, uh, and we show up to rehearsal and this guy named Gary who played basketball and baseball and soccer. And he was like this jock athlete kind of guy. He shows up with the drums. And I said, oh, that's funny. I didn't know he played. And so we rehearsed and, and we got the band going and we, we rehearsed for a while. And uh, I, I assumed Caleb had asked him into the band and we started playing some shows and started making some traction. It was great. And one day while sitting and eating lunch, I'm sitting with Caleb and I, I looked to him. And I said, what made you think to ask Gary to be in our band? It was such a good fit. I'm just wondering. And Caleb said, I didn't ask Gary to be in the band. You asked Gary to be in the band. I said, absolutely not. I didn't know he played. So we argued back and forth. And then we finally came, we approached Gary. And we said, Gary, who asked you to be in the band? And, and Gary said, uh, I, no, neither of you. I decided to be in the band. I, bought my, I wanted to be in a band. I bought my own drum kit. I heard you were practicing, so I showed up. See, church, we need to have a show up attitude in our faith. Just like that. This is why our next question goes hand in hand with our last. Are you willing to walk in faith to be used by God? And if so, do you know that you are equipped? Like in my story, the disciples offered up what they had to Jesus and Jesus used it to equip them to do the ministry he called them to do. And before we ask God to do the impossible, let's start with the possible and give him what we have. See, uh, what that looks like depends on you. But the flip side is that we need to yield to God's will. Because a lesson we see played out here is that living this way doesn't mean that God's always going to come through in the way that we think he will. If the disciples, if the disciples had their way, uh, they would all set everybody to a hotel and they would have gotten takeout. But Jesus had miracles in mind. And wouldn't it be grand if Jesus stood up and said, have some bread and fish and lifted up a cloche and all of a sudden magically the, the loaves and fishes just flew out and, and went to every single one of the, these people. That would be amazing, right? And he's fully capable of doing just that, but that's not how it happened. And this is why his ways are higher because we serve a God who's all about being personal with us. He invites us to be part of the story. This took faith. This took trust in Jesus. And the results depended on his disciples' response of leaning on him, knowing that he is able to accomplish good in and through us. Do you get that? He's equipped us. Does this make this miracle any less great? No. 
It's still Jesus's miracle. And in fact, it becomes greater because it gives us a window into the bigger story that we are called to be a part of daily. Because again, it includes us and the bigger story explodes out of the parameter of this miracle because it's not the miracle that's being highlighted here. It's sharing the good news of the gospel with our world. Jesus uses what little we have to show us and others through us his greatness. Pastor Ed, he's going to come back and share with us some more insights on how you can apply this all to your life. Thank you, Jacob. Wonderful job of expounding that scripture. And I know that one of the most important parts of that passage is this statement from Jesus. You feed them. You feed them. Jesus is calling you. And, you know, Pastor Jacob presented a pretty big challenge, and a lot of us might be thinking that I can't do that. It's too big. But that's just the point of this passage. It doesn't have to be something huge. One small thing repeated multiple times results in something that brings great glory to God. And as the body of Christ, that really describes us, doesn't it? We are one small miracle when you consider that most of us are just normal, everyday, small people, little people. Uh, we're one small miracle repeated thousands, even millions of times around the world. And this is a powerful witness to Jesus. And it also lets us off the hook in this. No single one of us has to perform some great miracle to do something significant for God. Each of us Letting Jesus work through us with the little bit that we present to him and letting him multiply that, especially as our efforts are added to the efforts of our brothers and sisters in Christ within our church and around the world, multiply that and it results in wonderful glory to God and a powerful witness to Jesus, to his miracle working power, to his authority. And so, uh, you know, you might say, well, I can't do any miracles or God can't do any miracles through me. Well, sometimes it's as simple as handing out the bread that you've given over to Jesus and that he gives back into your hands. And this miracle doesn't seem so miraculous when you break it down into just one individual handing another a piece of bread and some fish. But I can tell you there are numerous miracles behind every act of kindness that a follower of Jesus does. Just the fact that you're saved, the fact that you have been born again, that you have been brought from darkness into light, that you have been brought into life from spiritual death. That means that you yourself are a miracle and anything you do out of that experience is in itself miraculous, however small or mundane it might be. You know, the fact that you are where you are right now is a miracle. Think about it. What got you here? You know it's the hand of God, and that's miraculous. I think about the fact that I could have died. I could have been shot when I was about seven or eight years old. My little brother walked into my grandmother's living room with a pistol. It looked so real. I wanted to take it from him. He's four years younger, and I could easily have done so. I'm walking toward him. This pistol pointed straight at me, and uh, as I get closer, he lifts it and fires it, and it goes right over my head. The bullet does into the ceiling. My brother drops the gun and starts crying, and, you know, I probably don't fully realize at that point what has just happened, but I look back on it and think, wow, God saved my life, and that means that anything that God does in and through my life since then 
It's a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm available at all. And that's probably true of any one of us, especially when we look at our spiritual salvation. You are a miracle story. You have a miracle story. And uh, God wants to multiply his ministry through you. Will we let him? That's the big question. Will you feed the crowds? Will you be available to Jesus? Will you make available to Jesus what you have? Could you at least give a piece of bread to somebody? I think you can. And that's one thing that we as Victory Church members love to do. We love to serve our community. And we understand that when we let our light shine through our good deeds, that somebody else will see that and glorify our Father in heaven. That is miraculous. When somebody sees the light of Jesus and responds to that and allows Jesus to transform their lives, that's a miracle. So let's not discount small miracles, everyday miracles. And note this about the feeding of the 5,000. It didn't meet any major need. Now that might sound strange. I'm not downplaying the immensity of that miracle but it didn't meet any major need. Jesus was just offering hospitality. He was offering a meal. But think about it this way. It met the need in every human heart to be welcomed to the banquet table of the Messiah. That's really what's happening here. Jesus is welcoming the crowds, the multitudes, the the small people, the nobodies to the banquet table of the Messiah, of the kingdom of God. And that's a miracle that everybody needs to experience. If you've never accepted the hospitality of Jesus, I want to ask you right now to open up your heart to him. You can receive him. You can receive his presence, his gift of salvation, simply by putting your faith in him and acknowledging who he is and what he's done for you in his death on the cross and in his resurrection. Would you pray right now to receive him? Just say these words, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me and you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus died, he was raised from the dead, and he is Lord. Forgive me of my sins, fill me with your presence, help me to live for you. I'm your child, God. My life belongs to you. Work in me. Make me a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Stick around with us. We have a little bit more to share with you about some next steps. I know you're going to be blessed. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.